morning. Amen. I don't have any questions for us today, but I want to um, go back to where Travis left off at in Philippians, but I'm not going to preach from Philippians. I'm going to let him come back and take us um, further on into Philippians. But um, I'm going to talk to us today about the mystery of the gospel. But I do want to go back. And um, Travis spoke last week in Philippians 2, 6 was his key verse. And he said, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, which was a great um, sermon. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come to worship this morning. We thank you for... Um, giving us this opportunity to come back before you to worship and to lift up your holy name. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would use me today in, in the presence of your people and that you would have your way and I would decrease and you would increase. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this congregation that makes up this household of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, the mystery of the gospel, what I'll be speaking to you about today, I tell you, it's been tough trying to uh, prepare for this sermon. <laughs> it's been a tough one. So much been going on around us this week. But um, yeah, so last week, Travis taught on Philippians 2.6, and the title was The Form of God. He always talked about, and he also talked about the Trinity, which is the Godhead. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love talking about the Godhead. Um, I'm reminded of Genesis 1:26. I like. I forget the um, uh, scenario that uh, Travis gave last week about the Trinity, but it's not in the, the scriptures. But the Godhead is. But um, Genesis 1:26, the Word of God says, uh, "Let us make man in our own image." That says to me. Thinking of going back to this Trinity, uh, just going back, touching what Travis was talking about last week, and trying to tie this in today, the mystery, with um, what he talked about and where we are as a church, where we are um, in the uh, scripture. Amen. Uh, so he said, let us make man in our own image. That gives me... Um, that shows me that when the Lord said, let us make man in our own image, showing me I don't want to get sidetracked to y'all. I will in a minute. <laughs> so bear with me, okay? Well, okay. I'll come back to that. Scratch that. Okay. Huh. God gave me this... Um, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 3, 1 through 21. We got a lot of reading to do today. That's what, I guess, got me distracted 
write down that situation. Let's go to Ephesians uh, 3, 1 through 21. It says, for this, call I, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, towards you, for that by revelation um, he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now. Reveal unto his holy prophets and his apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world, I'm sorry, from the, from the beginning of the world, hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to an intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord and whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I dare that you faint not at my tribulations for you which is, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He who would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints which is the breadth and length and depth and heights, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able, that is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of the work that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now we know Paul was sent. Exactly. His ministry was for the Gentiles. He was sent to minister to the Gentiles. And we know the story of Paul, how he, uh, the church, uh, he was a persecuted the church uh, when he was called Saul. And then later he was excuse me, called Paul from persecuting the church. So God, I'm sorry. 
So as Paul, uh, as Saul be- becomes Paul, he went back to Ephesians, which is, went to Ephesus. Back to Ephesus to um, get these Ephesians to let the Gentiles know that, well, let me go, go back. The, the Jews always thought that their God was just their God. It wasn't for everyone else. And everyone else, all the other people knew that the Jews um, was the Lord's people. So, but the whole thing was, the mystery is that it was for the church already. It was already for the church. It was for um, him to be grafted, for the Gentiles, as us Gentiles, to be grafted in. I want to read, um, when we think of a mystery, I think about last Sunday, we went through this maze. That was more to me like a little mystery. You're going through this maze, trying to find your way out. So when we think of a mystery, that is a mystery to us, naturally. But this spiritual mystery that we're talking about today, what Paul was trying to explain to the uh, Jews that God sent them, it, was, it, was, it wasn't just for them to have the Lord. It was for the whole world, all that God had called. Amen. And thank God for that, that we as Gentiles had that available to us today that we are here and that we are grafted in by circumcision of the heart, that we are Jews. Amen. So let me read a little bit about the mystery. Because there's some stuff in this mystery that... Uh, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible, but this mystery here, there's six of them, seven, I think. The word mystery is the new, in the New Testament identifies truth that was previously hidden from the common knowledge, but is now revealed, described only by the aid of the Holy Spirit. There are seven aspects of the mystery concerning um, that period known as the time of the Gentiles. These are the mysteries. These are, the first one is the mystery of incarnation, which are really going to come back to the church. The mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ and his church, the mystery of the indwelling of, of, of Christ, the mystery of both the Jews and the Gentiles, the one that we are really going to deal with today, and that's number five. Uh, I think it's six, yeah. Now five, I'm sorry. This, um, what I'm reading from is so tiny, and my eyesight is not that great. So y'all bear with me. I apologize. It ain't that, it's not that I'm stumbling and can't read, but it is so tiny, and I tried to get it as big as I could. <laughs> uh, so uh, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, which is uh, number seven, now six. The mystery of the rapture, which is uh, seven. So these aspects of the mystery of Christ, um, that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got to be at work. We understand that. So I've had a few mysteries of my own. Well, for us in Scripture, by the Holy Spirit given to, to me. I'm reminded of one I'm going to share with you. Um, just studying. There's so many of them, but as being part of the church. And um, I was, um, this one gave to me a revelation of the mystery of the, of the church. Uh, 
I'm turning to John, Ephesians 2.20. We're going we're gonna to read and let the word tell us what it says. And it says, um, I'm going to start at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no, no, long, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the uh, household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, fitly framed together, grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom we also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That revelation that God gave me with that, then I went to, um, I'm going to quote that one, um, St. John 14, in my father's house of many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you I would go and prepare a place for you and come again and receive you unto myself. So with that being said, I'm reading that and reading that, and then uh, the Holy Spirit just starts showing me different stuff with that mystery down that, that uh, well, I realized that it was a mystery that uh, I said, okay, so this building that he's talking about, this mansion, that's in heaven. Um, if you look at it in a spiritual sense, then you go around to Revelation, it'll show you the stones, Jesus being the chief cornerstone of the building. I want you to just picture this. He being the chief cornerstone of that building. Jesus, because he was the firstborn from the dead, that lives. So he's the, first, he's the cornerstone of the building. So the whole building is coming, knitted and fit together. Um, so with this building being put together by him being the chief cornerstone, we are the other stones being grafted in. But it go right on to Revelation 21, and it'll tell you about these stones. I was just reading it, and um, that's the revelation that I got from it, that this building, this dwelling place, that, uh, that, um, Ephesians 2.20 was talking about on down to uh, verse, yeah, 20 to 20 through, 20 to 22. And are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. Then that that um, St. John 14 just come together in this mansion. I said, okay. So I went to Revelation 21, I think. Well, I had already been reading. When you've been reading like that and studying a lot, it just uh, come to you like, like that. So it came to me. I think it's Revelation 21, 18 through 20. I'm going to go down right quick for a second. Revelation... Uh, 21, 18 through 20. And it reads, And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the walls of the city was garnished with a manner of precious stones. That's what stood out to me when he said that about the stones. So I believe, and then you know, it says in uh, 1 Thessalonians that the Lord will come on a cloud uh, with a shout of an archangel 
and the dead will rise first, and then if we're still alive, we'll rise, we'll meet him in the air. So that gave me this revelation of a building coming down out of heaven. Did that make sense to you? Could you see that? And with those stripped of the way it tied into me, it just like it just, I said, wow, that's the building. I believe that's what I believe. Um, I believe that when we do get to heaven and being part of this building, it ain't going to be like we roaming the streets. We are part of this. We are the heaven, like we are the church from what the revelation that God gave me from this. But um, that was a revelation that I want to share with you. But I also want to share some stuff that um, the great theologian, there's a few of them, but I liked it, this one better. I liked the way he... Um, Put things and uh, I think we use him a lot here. Um, the great Charles Spurgeon. Uh, I'm a star. This what this is his take on uh, the. Um, the mystery of the gospel. Observe that the comprehensive summary of the gospel have given is, here given is contained in six little sentences which run with the such regularity of measure in the original Greek that some have supposed them to be an ancient hymn and it is possible that they may have been used as such in the early church. There is a poet form about the sixth sentence, you are aware, of course, that the the or, the or, or, oh Lord, mm. the orators, I'm sorry, articles of which jingling rhymes, we are the slaves of mere sound in the respect by days are free. Their fashion of verse making has um, making has more respect to the sense that our the hours and lies as a rule, very much, very much introducing pleasant parallels and contrasts. These you have here, whether the six paragraphs of verse of a hymn or not, note that manifest in the flesh is contrast with justified in the spirit. Seeing other angels who are nearest to the throne of God is fitly set by the side of preach unto the Gentiles whom stand at the opposite pole and are far off. And then the third duplicate is made up of the evidence of poles believed on in the world, received up into glory. Thus all through the lights and shades are set over against each other by evidence design. Moreover, you will perceive an, an equal plain parallelism Parallelism, if you, if you <laughs> read, fun. if you all read attentively, the first two stanza deal with the revealing of the Lord Jesus. He is manifested in the flesh, and he is yet more fully made manifest by being justified in the spirit. Then follows a making known of the Lord by sight to angels, and by hearing to the Gentiles. And in the third pair of lines. There is a twofold reception. The one by grace among men, 
who believe and the other into the actual glory in heaven. To all this, add that pairs are also describable in the first and last. The second and fourth and two middle lines just for an instant notice that the first clause of the series deals with Christ's descent and the last with his ascent. The sound and the fifth are both intensely spiritual and the third, fourth have to do with the sense only. Thus you, you find another set a parallel whose existence can hardly be a more accident. Note that this is this, this for its teaches us that our memories need to be helped and strengthened in every way. And so it is well to have condensed truth to carry about with us and exceedingly advantages of, to us to have it arranged for us in such a shape that we are likely to recall, to recollect it. The apostles have been led by the Spirit to give godly words. Helping our infirmities of this help, we should gratefully and avail ourselves to uttermost. If we somewhat instruct in the word, we have here an example of practical usefulness. We may, for ourselves and for others, especially for the uh, young, try to put truth in the, into forms which will help it to, re, to retain its hold upon the memory. I should call my text a hecopax <laughs> of essence, truth, a sixfold mystery of godliness. You have six great points clearly set forth before you, and these can constitute, constitute the main and essential elements of our holy faith, which the church of God is forever to set forth and uphold the end time. The apostles have said, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. When he says without controversy, controversy, I suppose he means that there ought to be no controversy about these facts. Those controversies have arise concerning them and always will since the most self-evident truth will always find self-evident fools to conduct it. To contradict it. He means that in the church of God, at any rate, there is no question about these fundamentals outside the church. These statements are denied, but inside the house of God, no one ever questioned then for a moment, and he who does so is by that very act proven to have no part nor a lot of the matter without controversy. All Christians agree that there are truths are also, they are not trifles, but involves a mystery. The great mystery that it, that is to say that they were things hidden, there were things hidden themselves and so concealed that reason could not find, could not have been found out. And even now, though they reveal they concerns matters so vast, so profound that none of us can comprehend them to the full and the best instructed stride in the kingdom recognizes in, in them infinite deeps which he cannot hope fully to explore. The facts are unquestionable by the church of God and are without dispute 
among the faithful regarded as containing in their inner depths a world of wailing meaning, even the great mystery of godliness. Have you ever noticed that there are six New Testament uh, mysteries? There may be more, but these six are the chief. The ones we just went over, I'm going to go over them again. The first is the mystery of incarnation, which is now before us. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. First Timothy, it says. The next is the ministry of the union of Christ with his church, of which we read in Ephesians, verse 3 and 32. Uh, For these calls shall a... Shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh? This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Twice, blessed union with Jesus, may our souls find their heavens in thy holy mystery. I like what Mr. Spurgeon said here. Oh, teach us, Lord, to know and own this, wonder, this wondrous mystery that thou, that thou with us are truly one and we are one with thee. The third mystery is the mystery of the calling of the Gentiles to which Paul refers in Ephesians 4. We just went over a few minutes. Well, we're going to get there. Where he says, whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which is in other ages, we not made, uh, we might make my we not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Herein we have a joy, the joyful portion for which we can never be too grateful. The fourth mystery concerns the Jews and deals with the restoration of Israel whom we ought to remember with abounding sympathy and brotherly love. Of this you will read in Romans uh, 25 and 26. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. At least you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness is part of happened to Israel until the fullness of, of the Gentiles become in. And so... All Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come of Zion, out of Zion the deliverer, the deliverer and shall turn away godliness from Jacob. For a fifth mystery, I would bid you remember the doctrine of the removal of corruption from the body of its resurrection as spoken of in the famous passage. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we should be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye as the last trumpet. For the trumpet may sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And then also a close, the list, there is that mystery of inquiry which began to work so soon and worketh yet more and more of evil. Our text then is one of the six mystery, mysteries, but it has been preeminence that it is the great mystery. And it's besides particular, the mystery it is called 
the mystery of godliness because it is most intimately concerns a godly life because those who receive in it, their hearts become thereby godly men and become because moreover it builds up its believers in godliness and it is to them a grand, a grand motive for the reverent love and holy fear of the Lord their God. Let so much of have already spoken and stand out of preface and let us now be let us now by the Holy Spirit aid considers one by one six branches of the mystery which is now before us. The first sentence is God was manifested in the flesh. I believe that our visions in the correct one, but the fierce battling have been held over this sentence. It is asserted that the word theos, I know y'all remember that word, is a corruption for oes, so that instead of reading God was manifested in the flesh. We should read who was manifest in the flesh. There is very little occasion for fighting about this matter. For if the text does not say God was manifest in the flesh, and I'm sorry, in the flesh, what does it say was manifest in the flesh? Either a man or an angel or a devil? Does it tell us that a man was manifest in the flesh? Or surely that cannot be his teaching for every man is manifested in the flesh. And there is no sense whatever um, is in making such a statement concerning any mere man and then calling it a mystery. What is the angel? What is an angel that then but what angel we are, we was ever manifested in the flesh? And if he were, would it be all a mystery that he should be seen of angels? It is a wonder for an angel to see an angel. Can it be that the devil was manifest in the flesh? If so, he has been received up into glory, which let us hope is not the case. Well, if it was neither man nor an angel nor a devil who was manifest in the flesh, surely he must have been, it must have been God. And so it was word. Be there the sense must be there or else nonsense. We believe that. And criticism should grind the text into a meal. It would get out of, get, get out of it no more than no less than sense expresses by our grand old ver vision. I'm sorry, version. God himself was manifest in the flesh. What a mystery is that. A mystery of mysteries. God the invisible was manifested. God's spiritual dealt in flesh. God the infinite uncontained boldness. Boundless was manifest in the flesh was infinite leaves. Our thoughts must traverse between God's self-existence and therefore full of power and self-sufficiency before we have descended to the far down level of poor flesh which is as grass as it best, it is best, and thus it is essence. Where find, where find we a greater contrast than between God and flesh, yet the two are blended in the incarnation of the Savior. God was manifested in the flesh truly, not God 
humanizing, but God as God. He was manifest, manifested in real flesh, not in manhood, defiled and made superhuman, but in actual flesh. O joy, there sitteth in our flesh upon a throne of light, one of a human mother born in perfect God, Godhead, bright forever. God, for every man my Jesus shall endure and fixed on him my hope remains eternally secure. Charles Spurgeon was one of the greatest um, theologians in the 1800s that I really admire his teachings that really self-explanatory all of the mysteries that we are speaking on this, this morning. I go back to that Trinity as a revelation, as a mystery. God said, let us make man in our own image. He said, let us make man in our own image. I am a spirit being, I possess a soul and I'm housed inside of a body. I'm one, you're one. Amen. So when God made us in his image, I lost that a few minutes ago when I first got started. He said, um, it's Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image. When God created us, he created us, created us spirit, soul, and body. That's the image of God. That's clear. That's for the unbeliever that when they get confused with each office that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when they come up with this thing of some of the other religions don't believe in it or whatever, but it makes it certain. Even in First Timothy, um, in First Timothy, I like what he said about um, he was seen before angels. He was manifested in the flesh. They behold the only begotten of the Father, which is St. John um, uh, 114. <clears throat> There's no excuse. There's no excuse for the church. Our faith should be anchored in all of that. Like I said, I don't have no questions for us today. I just want to lift the Lord up today. Lift him up and tie him in with what, um, what Travis has been speaking on, what we've been, what we already, what we are as a church the way he's been teaching us. So I don't want to go to left field. I want to stay right here to keep us on that same Godhead. That Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I got 15 minutes. Y'all might get out early. Because I'm about done. Leave him time. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's a lot more here. Some of mine mixed in with um, Charles Spurgeon. But I would like to read a, another couple of scriptures here in uh, Ephesians on that um, note. Yeah, Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 12. I'm going to read that. I love when the Bible just unfolded for you. You don't have to use your own words. It's already written. Jesus said, don't just be hearer of the word. Let's be doers of the word. He said, you got to do the word. 
He said, yeah, it's there. When he hung his head and was knelt to the cross and said, Father, it is finished. I'm not getting off track here, but I hear people a lot of times, well, Jesus is going to do this. The Lord is going to do that. He already did it. He said, it's finished. He wants you to get this and learn your basic instructions to learn how to activate the word of God into your life as Christians, as believers, and anchor your soul in that word. Trust and believe. Trust and believe that he was manifested in the flesh. Paul was speaking to Timothy. He was not telling us a field. It's the truth. I saw it. I'm not Paul. I'm not Timothy. He revealed himself to me, but I won't go there because that's another mystery and revelation that God gave me. But I'm going to read from Ephesians 2, 1 through 12, going back from uh, chapter 3. Ephesians 2, 1 through 12. Paul get more in depth, and it says, And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, have quickened us together with Christ. Be grace, you be, be grace, be grace, I'm sorry. By grace, you are saved and have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is the ages to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith that is not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of the work, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, crafted, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles, the flesh who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Paul sums it up in that verse, in that chapter telling us that we are made heirs, that we was once far off from God as Gentiles, but now we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And the whole mystery, by speaking on the mystery of the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Hadn't lost my thought, just sitting there thinking on what I just said, which was uh, the meditation to myself. Speaking of the Gentiles, 
in Matthew 1, the Lord was speaking on, uh, well, Matthew, the tax collector, was talking about, it starts off telling you the genealogy of Jesus, of our Savior. And I think it's verse 5 that sticks out with two that was Gentiles, Rahab the harlot, which was Jesus' grandmother, and uh, Naomi and the other lady with Ruth. Ruth ended up being Jesus. Um, those are the lineage that Jesus came through. So showing you the Gentiles and like ourselves, thank God for Rahab, thank God for Jesus, but I think it was predestined for Rahab and for uh, Ruth to um, be grafted in like it is for you and I as Gentiles. Speaking of the church that's going to be formed into this mansion that's going to come down on a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. All this is going to fade away and perish. But God said, by no means my word shall not perish. It shall stay the same. I hope I kept us on the straight and narrow. I started off kind of rough this morning. It's been a while since I spoke. <laughs> It'd be like that sometime when you teach the word of God. But I um, make sure I try to give you what's from my heart and not about me or to make myself look good. It ain't about that. It's all about lifting Christ up. Um, so I might have been a little slurred this morning. Mouth so dry. Um, but forgive me for that and the way I got started, but I think we got through it. I think we got a little something from the mystery of the gospel that can still keep us on track when um, Travis come back next week to um, start back in um, Philippians 2. So with that being said, I don't have anything else today. Thank y'all, you've been a wonderful crowd. So. As usual, um, most um, after every sermon, we do the um, communion. And I would like to pray for us. And if anyone that um, wants to do communion, I want to read something first for the communion. It's right here. Anyway, we used to do the communion after every service. And um, um, I thought I had the right one. I then rested. I'm resting. Um, Haynes Creek, resting. Need more preaching time, resting. All and up. Anyway, um, contain the Lord's Supper. Okay. Here we go. I like to read this uh, particular scripture all the time when we're doing that. But I got the new King James, so the, the, the regular King James, it speaks so different. Believe me, we got time. We got five minutes, so. 
Give me that. Okay, let me uh, read this to us. Um, then we'll um, uh, pray. Um, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which is I also delivered unto you, uh, coming from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, um, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks to um, thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, which he had um, supped, saying, This is the cup, the New Testament, um, in my blood, is, that's the King James, in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink in the remembrance of me. For as often as you eat uh, this bread and drink this cup, uh, you be show, you show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not let him eat of this bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the mysteries that you have given us uh, through your Holy Spirit, the apostles and the prophets, that has been revealed to us today that um, we can learn more and gain more wisdom and knowledge from you. We pray, Lord, that um, as we take the Lord's Supper today, that we don't take it lightly, that just as you just said, we just read that we do not do it in an unworthy manner. We pray that um, you would bless us all today. We pray that that word find a place in our hearts and that it will um, come back up to us one day this week to rehearse it and visit it again to think about the mysteries of Christ. Uh, in his name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>